0: Hey, good morning everybody. What a day. What an incredibly beautiful day. Can you believe that we are in mid-May and it's in the 60s? Wow, it's going to be a high of 82? Where did this come from? This is fantastic. So, busy day, full day for King's Chapel. Thank you for coming to the KC Essentials. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background and then we're going to jump into the teaching. So, let me pray for us. Father God, we're just so grateful for your love for us, we're so grateful for your provision for us, for all the things we need for life and life abundantly, you have given to us graciously and lovingly from your hand. And some of those incredible gifts that start with your Son and your Holy Spirit, your Word, we're just so grateful for this place. We're grateful that we can gather here this morning. We're grateful for the worship service that we will have at 10, and for the luncheon afterwards, and for the workday, and... That God, that uh, King's Chapel, this little church plant, you are blessing to be a blessing, and we are so grateful. God, we ask that you would come and be teacher, that you would teach uh, your word and your truth through a broken vessel like me, that, God, that we would see Jesus clearly, um, that we would love him dearly. Uh, God, this is going to be, again, some new stuff for many of us. And, Lord, uh, there's, these are things that can divide us. But god we want to be united We want to be united in spirit even if we disagree even if we sometimes want to continue to wrestle god they would do it with charity and love um, that honor you and honor and love our neighbor we pray in christ's name amen okay so today uh, what i'm excited about today today uh, as we continue in our teaching of kc essentials uh today we're going to talk about god's good design biblical gender roles and now let me make sure that everybody knows what we're doing and why we're doing this, okay? So, when you talk about the KC Essentials, or maybe I should have called it KC Distinctives. What are some of the distinctives and essentials about our church that help us grow and flourish? Um, and it's really important for us because we're coming into a season where we're going to have officers and, and leaders of our church take us to the next level. And so... With that, you know, what does the scripture teach us uh, regarding these roles? What does the uh, scripture teach us regarding theology? Next week, we're going to look at more specific church office roles. And this week, we're going to look specifically at roles, gender roles. And so let me just confess that this is uh, exciting, challenging, and even a bit new to me. Now, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. Um, but I was, for the most part, in a denomination that very clearly taught these are the roles for men and women. Um, there were no variations from that. I was in a very conservative denomination that took God's word very seriously, and uh, there were, not, you know, we would we would adhere, adhere to God's word uh, rightly, and then, you know, uh, take the pushback from culture oftentimes. So with King's Chapel, we are a non-denominational church. The bottom line is, what is it we believe, and why do we believe? So if our reasoning for believing is ever not based on the Word of God, we're in trouble, right? And so I have had to go back and um, kind of research and dig, and I've loved it. As a matter of fact, of all the presentations, uh, this one is brand spanking new. I gotta confess, the other ones I've done before. All right, I just put some slap some King's Chapel uh, paraphernalia on it, and there you go. Uh, but for us uh, this week, um, for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, we are specifically going to be talking about uh, biblical gender roles and the roles that God has for us now. We, I preached on this last week. It's it's incredible how these things come together. It looks like we almost had a plan. You know, I preached on it last week, keep on it this week. But we see that for men and women, we have equal footing before God, that we have a necessary partnership for the plan of God, but we have different roles designed by God. I didn't unpack a lot of that last Sunday, so we're going to do a little bit more of that today. But let's be, be reminded that we have equal footing before God. Now, this is scandalously good news. Remember what I said last week in my sermon. When Moses wrote this and they came out of Egypt and they're headed to the promised land, they lived in a culture that said the only people who are the image of God were the kings and the pharaohs. They were the only ones who heard from the gods and executed the plans of the gods, like go build pyramids or something like that. But we found out, according to God's word, that it's not just the kings and the pharaohs who are made in God's image, that both male and female is made in the image of God. This Imago day, which Genesis 1, 27 says, then God said, um, let us make man in our image. I love the plurality of that. We start seeing a glimpse of the Trinity um, after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the fish, I'm sorry, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. This is scandalously good news, because at the time this was written, you know, to to not only be told everybody's image bearer of God, but specifically women are. I know, again, of course, we live in our culture today, so of course they are. But I love the fact that God's word was really first in that. So with this equal footing before God, both were given dominion over the earth. From the very beginning... It wasn't just man given dominion over the earth to rule and reign. He gave it to both men and women. So they should be together in partnership for this. It's very important for that. So this equal footing before God, not only are they both made in God's image, not only are they both given dominion, but God gives blessing to both of them together. God blessed them. And so we got to see that, uh, that we have this equal footing. And both are one in Christ. We're joint heirs. Now, This means more than you know. Joint heir means that uh, in in the uh, Jewish culture, the men were the heirs uh, and and the firstborn especially. And so for the gospel to say, God is going to treat you, it may sound inflammatory, but it's not. God's going to treat you like a son. And he's going to treat you like a son that receives all the blessings. That's how you are. And so we are male and female. We are one in Christ. And we are joint heirs. Uh, Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there's no neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, all the blessings of God coming to us through Christ, according to the promise. Now, this is going to be an important verse that we're going to come back to. That some will say for specific roles. Not only are we have equal footing before God. But there's a necessary partnership for the plan of God. So both are commanded, both male and female are commanded to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. This is the cultural mandate. This is what God gave to creation to say, hey, fill the earth with my glory, multiply, reproduce. Um, And God blessed them said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. This is ruling and reigning for him. Have dominion over the fish of the sea of the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth so God has given both and both are needed sorry about that let me see if I can go back I can't both are needed to multiply and produce and so no matter what gender fluidity no matter what the culture says about marriage no matter what happens out there we can't multiply without a male and a female without a, uh, a sperm and an egg it ain't happening right and so Now, you could try to put that in different places and test tubes and do a lot of incredible things. But that is where you have. So we have equal before before God. Um, Oops, I did go back. So, um, necessary partners. Both are commanded to be fruitful and multiply. Both are needed. There you go. Um, You can't do it without each other. But we have different roles designed by God. It's interesting. In creation, God says it's not good for man to be alone. Remember, God says it before man realizes it. God says, uh it's not good for him alone. I'm going to make a helpmate fit for him. So God designed a helpmate fit from, for from man for man. Now I told you the story. How does God allow man to know that he's alone? It's a great story, right? How does God do it? He brings in the animals. So what is what is what is Adam doing when he names the animals? He's showing dominion. He's doing what God created him to do, right? He's naming them, just like Callie and Preston are named, just like you know Spencer Jack or John Matthias and, and Katie uh, uh, Ward uh, and Taylor uh, Dudley. Is it Dudley? Douglas. Douglas. Oh, sure, yeah. but it's false. It's a <laughs> Dudley's your brother. You, yeah. um, you show <laughs> dominion by naming them, but also God had such a mu- beautiful plan to realize, man, there's no one fit for me. There's no one just right for me. So God designed mm-hmm. from the beginning a helpmate from man, for man. Um, and I think you guys do one of the best jobs I've ever seen, being equals before God, uh, working that beautifully out. You really, really do. So so with specific roles, um, they, they, that whole story, they, uh, man gave names to all the livestock. Uh, that's how he did it. I'll keep going from that. Um, and uh, God created uh, a woman right from man's own substance. We looked at the fact that, that she is an easer, a helper. Now, the word helper oftentimes um, really doesn't play well in culture. But a helper oftentimes, remember, God is our helper. This is a word warrior. This is strength. If, you're, if Eric comes to you and says, Mom, will you help me with my homework? You are the one who has more strength. You are the one who has more knowledge. A helper. When God is our helper, he is the strength. He, so this is not a weakness term. Oftentimes, I can tell you so many times, Katie is way stronger in certain areas uh, than, than I am. And I, I really need that strength. So God is our helper. This, is, uh, uh, this term is mostly used with a warrior. Uh, so God, this is what God made from man and for man. A warrior. Don't you love that? Uh, somebody who's going to be a helper in many ways. Help me with my homework. Help me with life. And help me do what God has called us to do, and that is to fill the earth with his glory. But there's different roles designed by God. Um, so God designed a man and woman to be one in marriage. Uh, that's his design. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God designed men and women to have unique roles in the leadership of the church. So here's where the good stuff starts. Uh, Here's where, you know, you start thinking, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? Well, when you think of God's good design and and (laughs) biblical gender roles, let's look at the gender roles that we uh, give terms to what are the possible uh, roles of women's leadership in the church. And so you have feminism. Egalitarianism, I'm going to explain that to you. And again, that's not a biblical term, but it's a term that helps us understand uh, what roles they are. Complementarianism and patriarchalism. Okay, so let me tell you what all these things are. So maybe the role of women in the church is feminism. Feminism. Uh, Man, I'm really messing that word up. Uh, This basically says that woman should always lead and male leadership is flawed. Well, we know clearly that's not biblical. So we'll throw that one out, saying, well, that can't be right. But then you get to one that many uh, evangelical believers will believe in egalitarianism. And this will say, listen, there's no distinction between male and female. Remember when I read you that Galatians uh, verse and it says, we're all one in Christ Jesus? There's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's no male are slaved or free, or male or female. So they're going to read this verse and they're going to say, hey, there's no distinction between men and women. They're going to like the fact they'll even embrace a little bit of our genders can be uh, a little bit more fluid. And not, not, not necessarily they go that far, but they will say men or man or woman are equally qualified and called to fill any position in church leadership. So no matter who you are, If you are gifted, you are called, you can serve in any role. Now, there's some wonderfully great godly men and women in our world today in evangelicalism that will embrace this egalitarian view. Uh, People like Andy Stanley at North Point uh, is one that I've heard argue, believing that this is uh, what the Bible teaches. So there's another role, which is called complementarianism. And this is saying that man and women are equals before God, but have different complementary roles given by God. That God designed us. That biblically qualified men have certain callings, like roles like pastor or elder. And biblically qualified men and women have certain callings together, like deacon or deaconess. And then all Christian men and women are qualified for some roles. Maybe that's worship leaders ministry leaders or whatever let me hit pause i don't have this in the notes if you are a christian the holy spirit fills you and you have been given gifts by god to be used for his glory all of us are useful in the house of god all of us are needed in the house of god but this is saying that there are different roles so the role of church leadership then you have this last one which is the patriarchalism which says that male leadership in all areas and all women should be in submission to a man it's basically saying the opposite of feminism this is saying that the the, the church leadership should be ruled by all men in all places and it will say all women should be under the authority of a man Um, so if we have a young woman here make sure that they are have a head covering an authority of, of, of some kind of man well i would say that that too, just like feminism, um, that all roles are only man, that's clearly not biblical either. And so, you know, you read through scripture, there's plenty of roles that women have fulfilled through scripture, so we throw that out. So you have the feminism and you have this patriarchalism as the two extremes, and then in the middle, you have this egalitarianism that everybody's equal and all things are up for grabs, or you have this complementarianism which says that, yes, we're equals in our standing before God, but God has made a male different than a female, and there are different roles. And so with that, um, King's Chapel affirms a complementarian view of gender roles in church leadership, Um, really believing first and foremost, this is the most biblical view. And as I've mentioned to you, uh, this pastor has had to go back and dig deeply. Uh, Not only to God's Word, but listening to sermons, watching YouTube videos, uh, hearing arguments from both sides, uh, reading some books. But based on, so why? I want to show you, this is kind of cool. Now, stick with me, we're going to jump even to the real deep end. In God's wisdom that I can't always articulate, God has created men and women for complementary roles in church leadership and it's based on a few things. It's based on God's creative order in Genesis 2:18 um, and, and uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, let me read these to you. 2:18 Then the Lord said, "It is not good for me to make uh, man to be alone. I'll make it a helper fit for him." We see that there's a creative order. Man was created first, and then woman. And, but it also says, "For man was not made from woman, but woman was made from man." Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That, uh, that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, the Lord, uh, the, the Lord woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. All things are from God. Now, that should be clear up everything, right? <laughs> um, But they're basically going to say that there's an order from this. And even 1 Timothy is going to say for Adam was uh, formed first, then Eve. So when it comes to roles, it seems like there's a creative distinction that God has. Man was created first and then woman. Now remember, equal standing, but there was a difference in, in created order. But it's also based, now this is, I really love this as well. It's based on God's triune Leadership, First Corinthians 11 3 says this, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. So there's a headship that's being reflected in marriage that reflects God's headship. Now, by the way, when it says the head of every wife, the Greek word there is gune, which means woman. And so it could be translated uh, generically woman, or it could be wife. Uh, They're called both in that scripture. But I think the point is this, is that there is a connection with um, uh, the, the, the headship, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equals, and yet the Son willingly submits. The Holy Spirit submits. So there's a reflection of submission that... God's creative order, what came first in God's uh, order of design of of, uh, the Trinity. So roles of women also based on the implications of the fall. Now we are told that in Genesis 3.13 that Eve was deceived. Then the Lord said to woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And Paul picks up on that in 1 Timothy 2.14 and he says, you know, it wasn't Adam that was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, let me make sure this is very clear. Adam is the one that God is going to eventually say, it's through your sin, Adam, that everything is broken. Although Eve may have been the one who's deceived, and she may have been the one who stepped over the line first, Adam sinned in his silence. Adam sinned in the fact that he let Satan interface with his wife, and he didn't get in the midst of it and say, "You can't talk to my wife that way. Get the heck out of dodge." And ultimately, the blame is going to rest on the shoulders of Adam. Through Adam's sin, all of mankind has fallen. So don't think that the woman here is getting the the uh, the the, the, the <laughs> The raw end of the deal. Um, she's not. But at the same time, Scripture's going to say, but she was the one who was deceived. It's interesting. And I don't know how to parse this. Was, was Adam not deceived? I, I don't think his thing was being deceived. I think his thing was being silent. He, he, he was the one who I think had initial sin as well. But this is going to say, hey, because of the fall, there are implications of that. And then, most importantly, from the role, it's based on God's Word. And 1 Timothy 2, 12-15 is key for us with that. So I'm going to unpack that in a minute. And that 1 Timothy 2, 12-15. As a matter of fact, let me, let me look at that now. Um, who has a B-I-B-L-E? That's the book for me. Uh, hey, uh, Robbie, will you look that up for me? Um, 1 Timothy is in the back of the book. Um, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a verse that's going to say, uh, because of this, it's, it's, it's a very interesting passage. It says, a woman should learn, uh, which is, again, you say, of course she should. But you got to understand, in a context where only the men were disciples and learned, they said, no, no, women should learn uh, and be a part of all the church body. But when it comes to teaching, when it comes to authoritative teaching, teaching that is preaching, she should remain silent. It's a difficult passage of what it says. So, First um, Timothy two, what 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 is what is the uh, 12, Twelve Did you say yeah? through fifteen.
1: The a deacon must be the husband.
0: Are you in? Are you are you in three or two?
1: I'm in. Oh, excuse me. I'm in three. You're right. You're right. And I've got to get go to twelve here. Just a second. Um, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man she must
0: be silent well what he is saying here is that listen now women Paul talks about a woman being a prophetess she's not silent mm-hmm. he's not talking she talks about women there's there's women in leadership that's clearly there but it's I believe because of the creative order because of what the Trinity has pointed out in headship because of scripture there are specific roles that God has called for men to execute uh, apart from women. Now, I'm, I'm uncomfortable telling you that. I mean, there's a part of me that bristles at that. It's like, come on, we live in 2021. I mean, how do we hang on to that? And, and uh, I think that you all know me. I mean, in the reality of how much I believe that Scripture says we are truly equal standing before God. And I also want to say, there are plenty of women that are way better teachers than I am. Way better preachers. This is not because of gifting. It's not because of skill. It's not. I mean, I remember in my last church, uh, there was a lady teacher that had gone to seminary. I guarantee she knew more about the Bible than I did, Louise. And so, I, mean, I think she was phenomenal. And, and, and uh, uh, I, so, I don't think my gifting works outshining hers. I think that God has a design a design that reflects his character, his creation and his desire and his word. And I don't think that we can recreate it. And so we have to say, okay, what are those roles? Well, uh, the key church roles that we have, we have a pastor, we have elder, deacon or deaconess, and we have something called KC Women's Council. Now, some of these we see are clear offices in the Bible some um, I have, we've created. You'll see in a minute. So when it comes to King's Chapel leadership or offices and roles, we have a pastor. Uh, he has to be called in a biblically qualified male according to Scripture. Uh, no female pastor or priestly role throughout Scripture. Now, now you know, let me tell you that. There's never been a, a priestly role in Scripture that was ever fulfilled by a female. Ever. There's none. Now there was a judge named Deborah who ruled, a woman who ruled. There were prophetess that were that that, that spoke. There are people like Aquila who taught Apollos. There are great women. Ruth, I mean there are the number of phenomenal women that we see throughout Scripture, but never once do we have a woman in a role of a priest. It's interesting. It's very it's, it's throughout scripture. It must be God's design for that. Um, An elder. An elder is called biblically qualified male that we see in these two verses. And it's, again, when you get to deacon, you'll have the feminine listed, a deaconess. But when you get to the elder, it only talks in the male. Um, So an elder is someone who, who reigns and rules. That's a ruling office. Deacon or deaconess is a serving office. And it's called a biblically qualified male or female. We see this office emerge out of Acts chapter 6. It's a time where the, uh, the apostles said, hey, we don't have time to wait on tables. It sounds crass. we got to preach the word. And so let's raise up some deacons, some servants. The word deacon is diakonos, which means servant, to come alongside and help us. And so they set aside some deacons to do that. Um, and First Timothy 3, verse 8 through 13, which Robbie started to read, uh, which talks, excuse me, which talks about a deacon or deaconesses, it will say, now deacons are supposed to act this way, and deacons' wives are supposed to be like this, or deaconesses are supposed to be like this. It's hard to know. Are they talking about deacons and their wives? Are they talking about deacons and deaconesses? Um but then you get to Romans 16.1, and we meet a woman by the name of Phoebe, and Phoebe is called a deaconess. Um, it also can be translated servant. Um, but so, who are they? So, believing that uh, th- there can be biblically called deacon and deaconesses. Hit pause. You don't have any idea, probably, maybe one or two of you, how what I just said is... is really different than anything i've ever taught before i was in a denomination that did not have deacons for 25 years but if scripture is true the only office i think that is strictly for males the only one is authoritative teaching office and ruling that's it yes ma'am so
2: basically Paul Whites so and the Joyce Warriors of the World, is that what that's kind of referring
0: to? Yeah, you know, and I, I think so. I think that Joyce Whites, I mean, is she a prophetess or a teacher? I don't know. I mean, I think Beth Moore is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that amazing. she is she's an incredible teacher. I disagree with her on some of the end time stuff, but mm-hmm. I mean what a gifted teacher, you know. Right. And even at our women's ministry, Jackie Hill Perry, I mean she was a phenomenal teacher. But I don't think that I think she could teach. I think she could teach women. I think she could teach Sunday school classes. I think that there's one specific role, and that is authoritative preaching. That I would say that Joyce Meyer, um, as a matter of fact, the Baptist, uh, um, the Southern Baptist, and, and, and Beth Moore are are turning sideways because they're trying to figure out: is she preaching or is she teaching? Now, good luck with that, right? Yeah. And so. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just let's just pull it out of the, uh, and say, no one's gonna have a problem if Beth Moore is teaching Sunday school. But if she's standing up and leading the service, that's when you have that's when you try to say, is this authoritative preaching? Now, I know, I mean, listen, I've had family members that have wrestled with me about this, right? You know, so dad, why? You know, seriously. I mean, is is, is, is this is this really right? I mean it doesn't sound right at times, and and uh, um, you know I, I remember it's not because of gifted. I think that there could be a, some amazing, authoritative gifted preachers that could do amazingly well. And you know what? I think God has used some in, in a really powerful way. So especially, does the
1: especially if men do not
0: step up. I agree, but does the end justify the means? And I don't think it does and i don't think and if just because culture is doing it do we need to do it no is there a reason why i'm just trying to say i the reason why i believe that we're supposed to be complementarian in our view is because it's most biblical because i think we're honoring scripture and when i talk about deaconesses i I feel like that's a little bit different but now let me show you something that i feel like we need to have and let me even say to you kc women's council i stolen this idea From my daughter's church I've stolen a lot of ideas from that church and by the way it's the same denomination I was a part of that believes in everything we're saying here but who have said listen when God created male and female he said they needed to be a partnership together to have dominion over the earth and if we think for a minute we as males can run a church without females alongside us if it's not good enough for creation to have dominion of male and female, how can the church not have a clear female voice that is that is helping us see through things? So I am calling for this Casey Women's Council. These are called and biblically qualified and mature female leaders providing insight and counsel to the elders as well as mentoring and teaching the younger women. I, I think that they're in our, our meetings to get with us. I think that we when we talk about Issues that pertain to women. I've been been in the ministry for 30 years, and I've seen it. When you have to talk and minister to a woman, and you're all men, it's awkward. I mean, a poor woman, right? I mean, seriously. And and, and we've, we've really tried hard to say, are we being kind? Are we being correct? But not just the kind and correct. Are we being biblical? And I believe we have to have... I'm going to pick on her. Julie Meyer is the one that I think of this more and more and more as well because uh, she's got the older, mature part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's my sister. She's my sister. <laughs> my <by the> sister. <laughs> by the
1: way, do you know, and because I was taught this, that the Greek word for woman is Guna. one who talks back.
0: Yeah. Oh, I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that's Hebrew, the actual Hebrew word. <laughs> Well, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, godly men and women were vital uh, to the success and flour- need to be the success and flourishing of King's Chapel. Why? Because women were a vital part of Jesus's ministry. In, in Luke chapter eight, it says that they provided; they were with him; they were right alongside. Women were a vital part of Jesus's resurrection. They're the ones who showed up first. They're the ones who told the others. They told the apostles. And listen, this is such scandalously good news. The Bible is based on a woman's testimony of the resurrection, first and foremost. At a time where they couldn't even testify in court. At a time that they were not given equal standing. The Bible says, nope. a woman is going to be the one who sees it first and tells it first. And so, women are a vital part of the ministry. They're a vital part of the resurrection. And they're a vital part of the apostolic church from the very beginning. It says the women were there praying. They were a part of the ministry. They need to be a vital part of ours as well. For a vital part of King's Chapel, hey, we have equal footing before God, necessary partnership for the plan of God, but different roles designed by God. Are there any questions?
2: (laughs) The challenge is, is to convince, not to convince, is to bring others who don't, who might not understand this theology to. I agree to God's word, who who aren't there right now. Yeah,
0: uh, and some might be egalitarians, and they'll never believe it. Some will say, "Hey, they're all." And I, and I and I believe. I believe that. That is a. Tenable position to hold, but I don't think it's the most biblical. And so, I wouldn't say that they're, gosh, they're just in heresy. I will tell you that a Mormon is in heresy. He's denied the Trinity. He has he has denied God's Word. But I will not tell you that I think that Andy Stanley is a heretic. I will say to you, I think that he is his his understanding of where where God is where God is incredibly clear we have to be most clear. Where he's not as clear, and I think he's pretty clear. We got to make sure we know what our convictions are, but not throw stones who aren't. So I think the goal is not even to convince our friends who don't believe this. I think the goal is to convince them that this is what we believe is biblical, and we're going to stand on God's word. You, we, we might get made fun of, and we might be seen as old fashioned but if this is God's word if, he, if that's our authority, I'm going to preach on that today then that's where we got to go I mean, that's our authority so, yes ma'am
2: well, it's kind of interesting it's kind of something you and Robbie both mentioned but from coming from a woman I feel like, and again it goes back to what y'all, y'all said, you nailed it um, because men don't act like men today, a lot of them yeah uh, um, I, I can tell you firsthand I am forced into a leadership role in my household that I would much rather a man be be taken care of but I'm assuming that role because he's unwilling to yeah so and I think that that's there's a lot of that going on today and a lot of it comes because these people have not been raised up or they've been raised up but they have refused to take personal spiritual um, authority in, in in pursuing it and and it might be. Mental laziness—it's definitely spiritual laziness.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on, Ruth, and I think it goes beyond our culture today. I think it goes all the way back to Adam, because Adam, from the very beginning, was silent. Yeah. I think that man have a tendency to be silent, and we have a tendency to be passive. Those are the things that we have a tendency to, to do poorly, and then we then we try to be domineering, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, what a terrible combination! Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, good good thought.
1: Well, our role as men. Uh, has been undermined by the fact that a man does not stand up and say no yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. Our, our role quite honestly is being changed at a light uh, year uh, speed Because if you look what's the one thing that everybody wants to do now change the culture exactly. change the history yeah. that, Change that the narrative change to, the story exactly change right. the narrative to 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 fit whatever you believe yes. in it. and that and you talk about quicksand, yeah. you have you have not only stepped in it, but you up uh, up to your eyebrows saying, "Don't make a wave," yeah. because you go to the, absolutely. So Don't is it this
2: is this foundational principle that you've got for
1: Kings Chapel? This makes us truly non-denominational. Yeah, we
2: now can't be. We're not part of a PCA. We're no. not Southern Baptist. We're no. not.
0: I think if we join the EPC, there'll be certain denominations that would embrace us, saying we fit. Um, the EPC will say every church can decide if you should have female roles, if you're egalitarian or complementarian. A church can decide. The PCA says the denomination decides, and and then you know there's some other ones that decide too. I mean the Catholic, you know there's different um, things like Methodists and Catholics. The authority comes down from above. You have a bishop above you. It's, it's, it's vertical. Is that right? Is that vertical? Yeah. Um, when you're Presbyterian, it's presbyteros. You're ruled by elders. There's a plurality of leadership. When you are congregational, oftentimes it's complete democracy that everybody has a vote. You know, what, what, what do you think? What do you think? I think that there's strengths and flaws in all of it. I kind of like the fact of a plurality of leadership. I think we should have elders. I think we should have a women's council. I don't think all the authority, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But I think that we are saying, yeah, this is where we are, what we believe. I mean, so, uh, um, uh, but anyway, all right, leave pray. Father God, we love you, and your ways aren't our ways, and your thoughts aren't our thoughts. And I want to be the first to admit, God, I, I can't I, I can't describe all of who you are. or. Or your theology, because I'm limited and and God, I'm frail, and I and I'm sure that there's things that I believe that are that are that are wrong. But I know the fundamentals that you are God and we are not. That Jesus is Savior, the only Savior. That we are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ alone, according to the Word of alone, yes. for the for the glory of God alone. So God may these foundational truths be what unites us in Christ. And some of the things on the on the outside. God, may we really show good love and charity wrestling through them. But, God, may we be a people who are convinced of God's word and stand upon it even when it's unpopular. And, God, uh, give us boldness to live for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. Amen.